you're seeking biblical wisdom and understanding in these difficult and trying times, and you recognize the power of God's Word to delve deep into the issues of the heart, then welcome to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney, husband, father, counselor, author, and teacher. Join us for Christ-centered, gospel-driven truth concerning our individual, marital, and parenting struggles. This is Biblical Counseling Today. So do you know yourself well enough to know Satan's most effective strategy? It makes sense that he chooses his methods based on what works against you, right? Let's say you're tempted to be a people pleaser. It absolutely drives you crazy when someone is unhappy with you or doesn't like you. How will Satan exploit this weakness? He may just influence a bunch of people to turn against you. Or maybe you're a perfectionist. Not getting 100% on a test, quiz, or paper drives you nuts. Not getting everything in order will also create great anxiety. How will Satan tempt you? Do you think he knows what will totally frustrate you? Or you may struggle with a certain sinful addiction. Yes, Satan knows that too. He will certainly work to lead you down the wrong path. Now, don't get me wrong. Satan is not an all-powerful being that can know everything about you and perfectly know how to defeat you. But he does know human weakness. He obviously proved that in the Garden of Eden. The good news is that every temptation from Satan is also used by God to sanctify you. What Satan means for evil, God uses for good. This is where we need to rest as Christians. God is always at work to counteract the devil's schemes. He protects his people from the devil's onslaught. But that peace-filled truth should never move us to passivity. We are still to be vigilant against the devil's schemes. We are still to put on the full armor of God, not just presume that God will protect us. So continue to know your weaknesses better. Become more savvy at how Satan can deceive and manipulate you. Watch for his fiery darts and have your shield of faith raised. Remember that the Christian life is an active spiritual war. Even though Satan is defeated, the battle continues until Christ returns. Never stop the fight. Yet always rest in the fact that the war is already won. Dealing with your own sin habits biblically takes away Satan's weapons against you one at a time. As long as you persist in a sinful pattern, Satan will work overtime to only expand it and make it much worse. As Christians, we've been given freedom in Christ that is useful in dealing with satanic confusion. It frees us from our sin to be able to defend against Satan's schemes. So it is essential that we understand true freedom versus the imitation offered once again by the devil. If we buy into his definition instead of the biblical one, we will only end up in bondage. Let's dig down deep into what I will call the distinction of freedom versus freedom. Now, it may seem sort of funny to contrast freedom versus freedom. I guess a better title would be satanic freedom versus godly freedom or sinful freedom versus righteous freedom. Yet again, the devil is the great imitator, presenting his alternative to God's way that looks oh so close to his way. 
So let's begin with a basic definition of freedom so we can be very clear in our understanding. Freedom is the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. Freedom is the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. Freedom is also defined as the absence of slavery or subjugation. It is the opportunity to do as I please with no one controlling me. If you are an American, you have always been steeped in the concept of freedom. You are born free as an American and you are raised and live in a free country. You most likely have never been a slave to anyone or personally known a slave. It's a great thing to have freedom as a nation. If you're a Christian, you also have been made free in Christ. So you know freedom as a Christian as well. But let's first focus on Satan's imitation of freedom, the definition of freedom that is found so often in our sinful world, and the one we can so easily be tempted to believe as well. First, freedom is my right as a human being. Now, we may be able to say freedom is my right as the citizen of my free country, but Satan wants us to believe that freedom is my right simply because of my humanity. In other words, being human, I should always be free. There is no doubt that made in the image of God, the human being yearns to be free. But does that longing represent something that is actually a right? Here we must ask, what do I believe I have the right to be free from? Children can certainly believe that they should be free from mom and dad's rules, power, or control. They can resist any restraint put upon them. True slaves can definitely believe they have a right to be free from being owned by a master required to work for them. Citizens of a nation can assert some right to political freedom. We can all believe that we should be able to be free from anyone and anything that keeps us from what we really want to do in this life. Whether we realize it or not, Satan tempts the human being to want to be free from God, the ultimate master of the universe. We'll explore that more in a moment. But let's go back to this rights thing. When we adopt the view that freedom is my right, the focus is necessarily on me. It is my right, my freedom to do what I want. The whole notion of rights takes us down the road of self-centeredness, of looking out for me. Now, that's understandable in a sense, especially when it comes to our relationships. We do need to be responsible for ourselves. But when something is thought of as a right, we will end up fighting for it, making it our goal. This can lead to a lack of consideration of others. If, on the other hand, we see freedom as a blessing rather than a right, it changes everything. We realize that we don't deserve freedom of any kind, even if we want it. The truth is that none of us were born free. We were born slaves to sin, slaves to our flesh, and slaves to the kingdom of darkness. None of us can claim the right to be free. That's what Satan wants us to claim as somehow our birthright. He wants us to cast off any and all restraints. Since we are born rebels, we want to believe that we have this right. It's very easy for Satan to lead us down this path. 
And then second, Satan wants us to believe that freedom is absolute and unlimited. After all, that's the definition of freedom, right? Freedom is the absolute absence of restraint of any kind. Isn't that what children want, especially teenagers? The smallest rule from their parents can seem like a total loss of freedom. I just recently talked with a parent who related how even telling her son, pick up your clothes off the floor, is rejoined with, Mom, you're so controlling. You can't control me with your perfectionism. In Satan's definition of freedom, anything less than absolute or unlimited freedom is not freedom at all. After all, doesn't the presence of a limit mean that I am not totally free? Of course, common sense demonstrates that this notion of absolute freedom is truly nonsense. We can illustrate that in several ways. For example, even though we live in a free country, are we free to murder, rape, or steal? No, we are limited by the laws of our nation. Or even though we're free to choose to jump off a building, are we free to flap our arms and fly like a bird? No, we are limited by gravity in our own body structure. Or even though we have free speech, are there things I'm not allowed to say? Things that will get me arrested? Of course, I'm not going to say any of those things on this podcast. I don't want to go to jail. Or even though we have freedom of religion, can I practice a religion that sacrifices animals or people? Not in America, land of the free. So absolute freedom is truly a myth. It is impossible in just about any situation you can think of. I could ask this one. Do you have absolute freedom to eat whatever you want and as much as you want? Your body will set a limit on you, that's for sure. But the problem is that Satan wants to get us to resent limitations, to push hard against them. Again, he wants us to think we don't have freedom as long as those restraints are upon us. So we end up fighting for our right to party, the old Beastie Boys song. Or we just fight for anything that messes with my freedom. Just what Satan wants us to do. Which leads us to the next point. Satan leads us to believe that freedom is the ability to do what I want to do. Again, isn't this just the definition of freedom? Of course freedom means I get to do what I want to do. This is every teenager's dream. Freedom from parents, freedom from rules, freedom from authority of every kind. Certainly freedom gives us the ability to make our own choices. Adults have so many more freedoms than teenagers do typically. And of course, free people have so much more room to roam than those who are enslaved. But Satan wants to put the focus of freedom on what I want to do. It's all about me and my wants and my desires. We've already said that Satan wants to make human freedom more expansive than it really is. Well, if you think about it, this is how he makes human freedom too restrictive. He makes freedom just about doing what I want to do. It's like freedom makes us more childish, right? Because children are the ones who think that freedom is only about doing what I want. So give a child freedom to eat what they want, and he may eat candy, ice cream, and pizza 95% of the time. He probably won't give a vegetable a fighting chance to enter his digestive tract. 
This view of freedom is an extremely immature one. It makes life just about the pursuit of my own pleasure. Sadly, Christian adults can adopt this view, especially during comfortable times or with the achievement of great wealth. More free time is given to self than to others. More extra money is for me to splurge on me rather than to give to others. Now, please don't misunderstand me. God has given us freedom to enjoy so many of his good gifts in this life. It is our sinful nature exploited by Satan that overdoes it, that makes all freedom into what it means for me alone. So freedom isn't really the ability to do what I want to do, even though it does afford me the opportunity to make choices for myself. Which leads me to the next point. Satan wants us to believe that freedom puts me in control. Slavery is that horrible experience of being controlled by someone else, of having to do whatever that person tells you to do. So it makes sense to think that freedom puts me in control rather than someone else in control. Whether or not you think of yourself as a controlling person, we all enjoy being in control of our own lives. Independence is a wonderful thing. So how is this really a satanic deception when it comes to defining freedom? Well, for one thing, it feeds our sinful desire to control our little worlds. It tempts us yet again to put self in the center of our universe, to work to make things go our way. But isn't that just a little bit of a scary thought? Even if it seems wonderful to be in control, what if I make a mess of things? which I can do quite often. A sense of control can produce a pride and self-empowerment, which is never good to have as a Christian. If I come to think of my freedom as me being in control, where does God fit in the equation? Where do people in any authority fit in as well? Yes, freedom does bring a certain amount of control, but seeking more and more control should not be the goal of our free existence. That's a satanic deception. He certainly wanted to be in control of his own life, which led him to rebel against God. So it's wrong to think of freedom as simply the chance to be in control rather than be controlled. It misses the point of the joy of true freedom in Christ. And finally, Satan will have us believe that freedom will bring us happiness. Who doesn't want to be happy? And being free certainly brings a smile to my face. Hopefully you already see the problem, especially if you listen to my podcast on happiness versus joy. Pursuing happiness is not the goal of the Christian. And the reality is that being free doesn't automatically give us great happiness, even though Satan would have us believe so. Being free Satan's way can produce more anxiety and worry It can actually produce depression when things still aren't going well. Having things go my way or being free to do what I want to do can bring about great misery. Not to mention the fact that happiness is a fleeting thing. So do you get the idea of how Satan and this world defines freedom? It may offer some very pleasing opportunities to us as people, but at what cost? As Christians, we need to become more solid in our understanding of true freedom and pursue it God's way instead of ours. 
So let's turn our attention to the right definition of freedom. It's so much better than the false alternative Satan tempts us to. First, true freedom is a gift of God in Christ Jesus. Let's start with a couple of key verses on this point. John 8.36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And then the Apostle Paul in Romans 8.20-21, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. In order to understand freedom correctly, we must begin with the fact that we are all born into this world in bondage. We are slaves to sin and death. According to the Apostle Paul, all of creation is in bondage, thanks to the corruption that entered our world because of Adam's original sin. So that means we need to be given the gift of freedom. We need someone to free us from our natural slavery. The only person who can do that is Jesus Christ, the Son of God who sets us free. It is a gift from God that comes to all who believe in Jesus. So that means the non-Christian is never truly free, in the right sense of the word, until he becomes a Christian. He may be politically free or socially or relationally free, but the non-believer is not spiritually free. Everything he does comes from the fact that he is still enslaved in the kingdom of darkness. Satan wants the non-Christian to believe that his enslavement is actually freedom, as we talked about earlier. But it's really only the Christian who has been given the good gift of freedom in Christ. And those two words are the key to understanding our freedom in Christ. That means you are not free in yourself. It means you are not free for yourself. And it means that you are not free by yourself. Our freedom was purchased by Christ Jesus, and we only experience it in a relationship with him. It is a gift of God's amazing grace. Which leads us to the next point. True freedom means sin is no longer my master. Listen to the Apostle Paul again in Galatians 5.1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Again, we hear the truth that it is Christ alone who sets us free and gives us the gift of freedom. But we also see in this verse the warning to not submit again to a yoke of slavery. What is Paul referring to? Well, in context, Paul is speaking of the fact that even Christians can put themselves back in slavery to their sin. We don't have to, but we do. We don't have to because Jesus has freed us from that master. When he freed us from the kingdom of darkness, he freed us from having to serve sin. Think about that for a moment. While both non-Christians and Christians both sin, they sin in two different dynamics. The non-Christian is enslaved with no freedom not to sin. The Christian has the freedom not to sin, but chooses to submit to his old master. This may not sound like a big difference, but it is. When you are counseling a Christian, you can legitimately call upon him to confess, repent, and turn from his sins. 
But when counseling a non-Christian, you must first call him to turn to Christ before he can deal with the sin problem at hand. What a glorious fact to know that Jesus has set us free from having to continue to be lost in our sins forever, having victory where we once just had loss. So when you as a Christian think of your freedom, you are to think of how you have been freed from sin, not how you've been freed to do whatever you want. It is non-Christians who think about doing what they want all the time, even though they're doing what they want out of slavery to their sin. Their wills are actually not free. Their wills are in bondage to their sinful flesh, to this sinful world, and to Satan. When Christians sin, they are willingly submitting to someone who is not their true master. When we are freed from sin, we are now slaves to Christ. Which brings us to our next point, that true freedom is limited, and that's a good thing. Remember, Satan wants us to adopt a definition of freedom, which has it being an unlimited power of ours. No more limits for us. Not only is that unrealistic, as we've already walked through, it is not God's view. Freedom is only true and good because there are limits put in place by God. For more elaboration on this point, go back and listen to my podcast on Unlimited versus Limited. God has put our freedoms within the bounds of his limits. The best picture we can keep in our mind's eye is the one of the child who is blessed with a huge backyard filled with toys, pets, a tree house, you name it. But because you love your child, you put a fence around the yard to protect him, to keep him in the yard, and to keep bad guys and bad things out of the yard. Is your child free to run and play and live? Definitely. But he does not have unlimited roaming power, does he? But that's a good thing. Actually, it's a great thing. So what happens if the child becomes preoccupied with the fence? thinking that the fence is a bad thing, thinking he would rather be fenceless so he can explore the other side of the fence. How much would he then enjoy his backyard? Hopefully you get the point. However God limits our freedom, physically, spiritually, relationally, situationally, should be something we welcome, not something we rebel against. And it should not take away from the fact that we are still free. Limits do not mean that we are not free, even if we wish we were more free. Just like the child in the backyard, it is unwise and even silly to miss out on all the freedom because of our God-given limitations. And then fourth, true freedom gives us opportunity to serve Christ. The last picture of the child playing in the backyard is actually somewhat deficient. Wrongly understood, it can lead us still to Satan's temptation that freedom is for me, for my fun, for my own pleasure. Listen to the Apostle Peter instead in 1 Peter 2, 16. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Peter exhorts us to live as free people, but warns us of the temptation to use that freedom to indulge our sinful flesh. So true freedom comes with a God-given purpose, and that purpose is not to serve self. It is to serve the Lord. 
This piece of the definition changes and adds to our analogy. Our child in the backyard should certainly enjoy playing and recreating, but he's also free to take care of the yard, cut the grass, weed the garden, clean up after himself. He can also entertain friends out there, play nicely, share his toys, etc. With a right view of his freedom, he would be grateful to his mom and dad, wanting to serve them with his freedom. That's how we should see our freedom in Christ. Since sin is no longer our master, we are freed up to serve our new master. In this way, our freedom is actually slavery to Christ. What a glorious master King Jesus is. He is the best taskmaster ever. By serving him, we are totally fulfilled. So true freedom is really just a change in masters, a new slavery status. That should bring us great peace and joy. Let's touch on just three more principles of true freedom before closing out this podcast. Fifth, true freedom is the ability to love and serve other people. Here we have the Apostle Paul again in Galatians 5, verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. This is just an extension of our service to Christ. If we are truly serving our new master, then we will automatically work to serve and love other people, especially other Christians. But this does sort of cut against the grain a bit, doesn't it? It doesn't seem freeing to serve others. It can feel like we are enslaved to them. Our sinful hearts want to make freedom about the opportunity to not have to serve others, not have to care for others, not have to do for others. I'm finally free to take care of myself now. Now, don't get me wrong. I nor Paul are describing the free life as constantly serving others, working overtime to do things just for other people. It is simply the right attitude and mindset about freedom, that we have been given this gift in Christ in order to love and serve others. Where Satan will tempt us to focus more on serving self with our freedom, we are called by Jesus to use our freedom for the good of others. And then next, true freedom is submission to God's control. Remember that Satan wants us to see freedom as putting myself in control, to not having to submit to anyone's control, especially God's. Listen to the Apostle Paul on this point from Romans 6, 19 through 20. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. When Paul speaks of being slaves to righteousness, it's another way to speak of submitting to God's control in our lives. After all, it is the Holy Spirit at work in us who produces true righteousness. Our righteousness is not our own. To believe that we are not free because God is in control, because God is sovereign, is again missing the true definition of freedom. The truth is that we are only free because God is in control. 
Let me say it again. We are only free because God is sovereign. If God does not have total control of the universe, the world would be in charge. The world would be chaos. This would not be freedom. We'd be controlled by this sinful, fallen world. So praise be to God that he is in control, and he has given us freedom in submission to that perfect control. And we end with this last truth about freedom. True freedom brings joy and peace. While worldly freedom brings moments of happiness and pleasure, it can never bring long-lasting, substantial joy and peace. Only in the security of God's control, only in relationship with Jesus Christ, can we enjoy the freedom that we've been given. We can only rest knowing that we are not free to mess things up all on our own. We are not free to lose our salvation if we are in Christ. We are not free to roam and wander wherever we want to with no restraint by the Holy Spirit. All that should give you great peace and joy. What security we have in Christ and what sense of purpose we have to use our freedom for him instead of for ourselves. True godly freedom is so much richer and so much more satisfying than the imitation that Satan offers the world. Thank you for listening to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney. This weekly podcast is supported by Biblical Counseling and Training Ministries, which you can learn more about at bctministries.com. If you have found yourself encouraged or challenged today, please share this podcast with your church, family, and friends. Rate us on iTunes and your social media outlets. It really helps. Until next time, may you enjoy the riches of God's compassionate grace and mercy in your life.